right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with our Grim Dank category. Oh yeah. Grim Dank or Grim Dark, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're the same. And Fox, you picked this one. What did you pick? It was one from uh, from long ago, I think, if I can remember correctly. Oh. It was Dark City. Dank City. Dank City. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it wasn't Shell Beach? Oh, no. It's all the circle, Dan. Everything. <laughs> Gosh, well, tell us a little bit about Dark City, Fox. What is it? Well, Dark City is a movie in which a man struggles with memories of his past, which include a wife he cannot remember, and a nightmarish world no one else ever seems to wake up from. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very difficult movie to have a synopsis of that actually does it justice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and we're gonna spoil this movie, so, uh... If you don't want spoilers, you've been warned. We're going to talk about it and find the way to Shell Beach. Yeah. <laughs> or will we? Yeah, so Dark City was written and directed by this guy named Alex Proyas. He's done a couple other movies. Um, yeah. The Crow. I, Robot. Knowing. Shh, we're not supposed to bring that up. <laughs> I was just going to say, Knowing is probably one of my least favorite movies I've ever seen. Like, I don't know why, but this movie, every time I think of it, I just get mad that I watched it. <laughs> wow, yeah, I've never seen it. So I was like, it was so bad. But uh, we're not here to talk about Knowing. We're going to talk about Dark City. So what, what did you guys think of Dark City? Did you guys watch the theatrical version or the director's cut? Because this might drastically affect how you thought of parts of the movie. That was literally the exact thing I was going to say. <laughs> nice. You know, I don't know. Let me go look at my receipt. I hope you guys watch the director's cut because apparently the theatrical cut ruins the entire film at the start of it. I watched the director's cut. Yes, I did too. <laughs> we got in there, and right off the bat, I was like, what? What? No. It was a long time ago, but I know that wasn't there. I did not watch the director's cut, apparently, I think. Well, that probably explains my thoughts on this movie. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I did read something about that, like the narration. Uh, he didn't want it in there at all, but the studio made him do it. Classic. And I don't know, like, what else is in there. They added in, like, 12 more minutes of footage. I don't know. I tried to look up what got added in, but I was not successful in finding that out. But I do know that the narration at the beginning spoils the entire movie. Completely changes the whole thing. Like, I was, like, watching it with my fiancé, and I was like, man, this is a weird movie. It's pretty trippy, pretty confusing, psychological thriller. And then, first 20 seconds, they're like, well, here's the entire plot and the secret and everything, so <laughs> off you go. Weird. Why would they do that? That probably explains some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, because my biggest thing was I did not enjoy watching this movie, like, at all. And it just seemed like it needed a lot more time in the movie. Like, it seemed like 20 to 30 minutes got cut. There's, um, in the IMDb trivia, it says that this movie has, like, one of the shortest average shot lengths um, of any modern narrative uh, production or something at 1.8 seconds. And so there's, like, a cut every two seconds, and I'm like, this movie's jumping everywhere. It's jumping from character to character multiple times. The shot never, like, lingers on anybody. I was like, this is terrible to watch. I don't know if they fixed that in the director's cut. It's still pretty. It quick cuts a lot. And that was going to be my criticism of it, too. Especially, like, during fight scenes. Like, it's 
totally a stylistic choice. It's not a, a failure of the filmmaking. It's a stylistic choice here. But I don't think it's a good stylistic choice because like Mike's been saying, it's extremely jumpy and things just like instantly go somewhere else. Like the guy grabs a knife and then the next shot he's already like sliced the dude open and he's dying. It's not just the action scenes either. It's like everything in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of the movie's like that too, which gives it a big sense of rushing throughout the whole film. But after like the first five minutes, I was used to it, except out, except in the action where they really speed it up, like, like I just said. But I got used to it. Yeah, it cuts a lot, but... Their cinematography isn't bad. Like all the shots are still good shots, and they make si they make sense. Like they're <laughs> they're not shooting it poorly. It's just they're cutting all the time, and it's it's weird. The editing's just weird. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I did not like it either. It was kind of getting on my nerves after a while. Like towards the end, I'd never really got over it. Yeah, this is like an hour and 40-something minutes, and it's like the whole movie is that way. For like your average shot length to be 1.8 seconds for an hour and 40-minute movie, that's ridiculous. That's like... About two hours for the director's cut. That's like watching uh, the Taken Liam Neeson climbing <laughs> over the fence, but like not that bad, but for like two hours. Well, that's, that's poor cinematography. That sequences and here the cinematography is good it's just they the way they put it together is extremely quick i don't know my major gripe with this though is that the world is really cool like the the backdrop of like this 1950s like sci-fi dark world is is really cool like the sets and the the world building would be cool if you had time to like get involved in it but you don't because the shots just cut so quick to everything you don't get to look at stuff for more than like a second and i want to compare it to like blade runner 2047 where the shots are really slow and it really gives you time to like get engrossed in the world isn't it 2049 2049 uh, there's too many <laughs> sci-fi things right now a lot of cyberpunks a lot of 20s <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah a lot of that stuff gone but like in that movie the shots are a lot slower and you have more time to like process the world and get invested in it i feel like if this movie was shot more in that way i would have liked it a lot better because the world building and the stuff in the background is really pretty cool in this movie but you don't get to focus on it yeah, it reminds me a lot of Tim Burton. Like, I was, I thought a lot about Batman 89 when I was watching this. Just the world is, yeah, it's so, like, gothic feeling and stuff. It's pretty cool. It looks cool, and, like, they use some miniature shots and stuff, and those, I thought, looked cool. Like, it's very easy to tell that they're miniatures, but I, it was kind of fun. Yeah, it looks good, too, because it's dark all the time, so. It, it just, the world is cool in the background. You just don't get to, like, process it because this movie's like creating anxiety with its shot for me it, it just got so on my nerves i was like man i really want to look at that but you can't look at it for more than a couple seconds and then they cut away they cut away a lot but they always go back to like places or things and they show it to you multiple times maybe not in the same scene but in scenes later throughout the movie you'll get um, another look at that location and stuff and when they are doing like when the city's changing and stuff they do linger on those shots longer than they do a lot of the other ones so you do get a good look at stuff and i mean it, it's dark city too it's film noir style so there's not like a ton to see at any given point in time because it's all dark and you can't see except what's being lit up and it's all the stylistic choice. And so I think that might be why all the quick cuts didn't bother me so much in this. It was because since it's a film noir style and there's not, it, it's not Blade Runner 2049 at all. Like that one, you're just gazing at all the awesome, like 
sets and CGI and stuff they've done. This one, it's like you you might see a dimly lit building that a guy's walking into. Then it cuts to him inside the building and he sees something and it cuts to him walking to it, right? So there's not a whole lot going on at any given point in time, except when the city's changing and stuff. And when that happens, they generally do it. They focus on it longer before they cut. And also, too, I think it serves the plot of the movie well, too, because, I mean, oh, what's his name? I guess it doesn't really matter that much. Old John Murdoch is constantly being pursued by these pretty much omnipotent beings, which we can get into later, and so he he don't have a moment to rest. It lends itself well to him always being on the run and just trying to recall what or his memory since he's got amnesia, but he can't he can't seem to do it. So it really lends itself well stylistically to the story and themes of the movie. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the the noir stuff and him like you know being on the go constantly because I think that is kind of my issue with this editing is that this is like obviously like a film noir inspired kind of thing, very Twilight Zone. But instead of like trusting us to look at a scene and see a look of confusion or despair on like our protagonist's face, they just constantly do these cuts like they're trying to create like a, it's almost like a false sense of confusion. Like they don't trust us to look at the actors or the scene and just be confused of our own volition. I don't know. It it just feels very forced to me, which might have been a studio choice, might have been the directorial choice. I... I don't know. I feel like I need to go watch the the director's cut again and see if it's better. I felt it in the director's cut still, so I don't know. I I did too, but like like I said, I I got used to it pretty quick, and it didn't bug me. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know. It had more of a negative effect. Just it didn't translate well for me, at least. But I I mean, I get what you're saying, Dan. I think that is probably what he was going for for sure. Was just like, you know, the hectic franticness of it. Yeah, it. It doesn't feel like there's any time to breathe in this movie from the way that they did the editing to the shots to the like story pacing, which I watched the theatrical um, version, I think. And because, yeah, I did because I had the narration at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say this movie seemed like it could have used another 20, 30 minutes to actually like give it time to breathe. Maybe use your quick cuts in specific places to create that false feeling of like anxiety or confusion or whatever. But like, give us some time to breathe too in the story and with the shots. <laughs> like, <laughs> tension and release, you know? Yeah, you got to release it at some point. Yeah, like, there's just too much going on. And like, in the story plot wise, you're like with Murdoch for one second. Within the same like 10 seconds, it jumps to like the alien dudes, and then it jumps to Kiefer Sutherland, like, right after each other. I'm like, what is this editing? What are these cuts? Like, <laughs> this is, like, not what I want to see in a movie, you know? I'd say it's better in the director's cut, because, I mean, they do add in, like, 12 minutes of footage in there, so that gives it a lot more, a lot more needed time, it sounds like. And it gets rid of that stupid narration, too, which ruins the whole movie, (laughs) I think. They throw a lot at you in the director's cut, but I never felt like I didn't understand what was happening, you know? I never felt lost or anything, so... Reminded me a lot of Jacob's Ladder, where it's it's a really interesting, unique story and a unique take on it, but it's not... They're not trying to confuse you. They're just presenting you with a really neat, cool idea... And they trust you to put it together. Well, in the director's cut, they do. (laughs) But there's only like one real way to take everything that goes on. But that doesn't cheapen or lessen the movie any. Yeah, I'll I'll say I don't think I've ever been this flabbergasted by a movie before. In a long time, at least, you know, (laughs) until I watched this. I was like constantly going like, wait, what? 
huh? Like when the bald men underground show up, like that just blew my mind. I was like, what is happening? What is this club of the society of bald men? It was so weird. That's why the director's cut is so important to not have that narration. Yep, because it's like they show up and start flying, and they look like Pinhead without the pins. Yeah, And I'm like, what is this crap? That's why I thought it was cool when I was a kid. Yeah, that would have been cool, because I knew they were like beans in this movie. Like, they didn't show them in that narration sequence. Like, it was just Kiefer Sutherland, um, like, hobbling around. But he was talking, and he said, like, hey, these aliens showed up and they're doing this stuff here. And so, like, I knew that those creatures or something was going to be in it. When they showed up, I was like, okay, yeah, those are the aliens. So you don't know that until he kills one of them and then, like, the alien comes out of the head and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, sounds like there was some real studio shenanigans with uh, the director on this one. Like, they were just like, hey, you need to have these. We can't trust the audience with this. Which is a shame. Like, I always harp on narration in movies, right? But this is, like, the number one thing you don't want to do in your movie. Like, the theatrical cut is bad. A bad way to view this movie. You must watch the director's cut if you're going to watch this, I think. And it's all because that narration... Well, we'll get into the... We've been talking about other stuff, but in terms of the story, that narration ruins the entire film. I shouldn't say ruins the entire film. It ruins all the surprise and, like, well, you being flabbergasted, like Terry said, and being like, what on earth is happening here? And then you slowly realize over time, and as the movie gives you clues and tells you stuff. Yeah, I mean... I'll go ahead and say, I was not a big fan of the aliens. I was flabbergasted more in like a, really, this is what we're doing here kind of way? I don't know. (laughs) It seemed a bit much to me. Fair enough. (laughs) There's a a lot of crazy stuff going on in this movie, and I think it was just, they kind of pushed the line a little too far for me with these aliens that are all wearing black trench coats and all psychic. Yeah, it was... It was weird when uh, Murdoch started using his powers and stuff with them, too, because the, can't the aliens use powers, too? Yeah, the aliens have the power. They tried to shoot him with their, like, mind powers, and uh, apparently Mr. Murdoch is, like, better than all of the aliens combined. According to the movie, in our sh- shots that we see, he is like God. He's pretty much Neo of this world. Not at first. Like, the first time he does it, they're not expecting that he can use the powers, and he doesn't know it either. And then he, like, he basically accidentally kills one, and then they're all like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good, but they don't want to kill him, and he doesn't know what he's doing. And it does. it's not really until the end when Kiefer Sutherland gives him his memories back, but he, like, trains him. Yeah, I always thought that was really cool. It's basically what the Matrix does when they upload um, the program into your head so you know Kung Fu, right? Kiefer Sutherland and all this time in the background has been putting himself into John's memories so he can instruct him how to use his powers and how to take out this alien force that's keeping him there. That's what that whole scene was when he gave him his memories back and he was showing up in all of them. So am I the only one who watched the theatrical cut? We did too, although I've seen the directors. Did they not have that in the theatrical cut? It was in there, but it wasn't that big of a scene. Like, it kind of just happened. It's pretty long. It's like five or six minutes long of them doing the, the memories and stuff. Yes, John, you're getting it now. You're beginning to see. Oh, I guess, yeah, maybe it was. Now that I think about it. When he teaches them how to fly up the stairs and all that stuff, or when he's with Emma and he's like, you ain't got time for love. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're wondering why I'm in all your memories, huh? (laughs) It's like, oh, God. Okay, I do remember it now. I was taking... 
This is like the first movie I've actually like written down notes on my phone for. So I was like doing that uh, during this. So I maybe missed some of it then because I was pretty frustrated with this movie by that <laughs> point. I do remember it now. Let's get back to the aliens, though. I want to keep talking about these aliens because they're weird. You don't like the aliens? I don't know. Like, I feel like it was cooler when it was just like those three dudes in trench coats floating around. I like kind of the more ambiguous weirdness, but then all of a sudden we cut to underground society and there's a bunch of bald people down there. Uh, I don't know. It just, it was a lot. Those are all corpses. Uh, yeah, I guess they do say they like inhabit the dead. Yeah, it's so creepy. And they're a hive mind, which you don't see very much. They don't really ever like use that to their advantage, though. Or they, like they don't really, they just say that. They don't really like show that to us, though. You know, it's not like they use it in a cool way or anything. They they basically use it when they're resetting the city so they can do everything at once. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Them being a hive mind central to the theme of the film of individuality, because that's what they lack. And that's why they've kidnapped all these people from Earth and have them on their zoo out in the middle of nowhere in space. It's like we need individuality because we're dying out and we need this so that way we can evolve or whatever. Is that what I was kind of confused how humans were supposed to save them? It's not very clear, which is my one of my criticisms with it is their overall goal as to why they need individuality is not very like they don't tell you really and it's it's not developed it feels weird it just seems random they want to just learn about like our hearts and souls but i don't see how in the long run that's going to help them out at all so i guess like my theory right is that these guys you know they're not the humans right they're like the weird little face hugger aliens in the brain so they're all connected to the hive mind, but they're all like little individual platforms, so to speak. So they can go out and have individual experiences in their bodies, but their mind always goes back to the big alien facehugger mind. So they're trying to figure out, I think, why humans aren't a hive mind, because they think if they can separate from the big mind, they can save themselves. Mmm, that makes sense. Would have been nice if that was, like, actually explored in the movie, but there's, like, no time with the plot that's going 90 miles per hour the whole movie. I will not argue with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they threw in another thing in there, I would have probably been like, oh, my God. They kind of do it a little bit with Mr. Hand. He's the one, he's like, inject me with Murdoch's memories so we can find him. And since they're a hive mind, they're like, oh, no, don't do that. Or whatever, because he'd become an individual. And then he's, he does start to change throughout the movie. He becomes the serial killer they wanted John to become, which is yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> the three aliens, like that first show up, their their entrance is pretty cool. And I was really intrigued by them when they're like making everybody go to sleep with their psychic powers and stuff. And there's like the really, there's the really short one, the medium sized one, and the really tall one. I was like, this is cool. And, but then they, yeah, reveal there's like a million of these people downstairs. And it's just like, oh, well, it loses, loses a lot of the uniqueness, I thought. I don't know. I don't know. They're a lot like the agents from the Matrix. Yeah. I did get Matrix vibes from them. Yeah. Even Mr. Hand is like Mr. Smith. He kind of like deviates from the programming and kind of does his own thing a little bit. It's nuts how similar some of those story beats are in that in The Matrix. Like, it, you'd almost think it's ripped off, but they literally came out a year within each other, so it's no way. <laughs> yeah, this came out first, even, so it's crazy. I saw The Matrix bought some set pieces from this, like, movie set. So they are, I guess, kind of spiritually connected a little bit. Yeah, I didn't realize... Um... That there were so many of these movies in like the late 90s that were, there's a world you don't even know about underneath you. Like there's a ton of, there was this movie, there's The Matrix, Blade we just talked about a couple weeks back. Equilibrium, The 13th Floor. There were just so many of these movies. Maybe it was like a fad back then. There was like, there's so many worlds beneath you. <laughs> Everything you know is a lie. When did The Sixth Sense come out? 
1999. The same time. Wow. Come on. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because I knew that after Sixth Sense came out, a lot of people were like, oh, we got to do the big twist at the end type thing because that was so successful. But it's like sci-fi has been doing that. Not at the end, but it's like... <laughs> it's in, like, the middle, usually. Not at the beginning, like... <laughs> in the first 15 minutes, we get our big twist. <laughs> you get it in the first minute in the version I watch. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a shame, too, because, like, the whole Shell Beach thing and, like, you can't get out of the city and what's actually beyond the city, that was such a cool reveal. They did such a good job of building the tension up for when they actually go to Shell Beach, quotation marks, and then they beat the wall open, and it's just outer space. Man, that was a really cool sequence, that whole thing. And it's just ruined if you watch the theatrical cut. I guess the space thing, that's like the biggest, best twist, I think. So Twilight Zone-y. Because Kiefer's like, no, don't, and you're like... (laughs) <laughs> Why? What's gonna happen? Big deal. Nah, just the void back there, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the mystery aspect. I thought, like, the memory stuff was really interesting and how nobody seemed to remember stuff. I think they teased that out pretty well, but, yeah, I don't know. I thought that, yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job. At least with the setup of it, I liked a lot. I agree. It was really interesting, I thought. Yeah, I think the mystery would have been cool if I wouldn't have had it, like, explained to me right at the beginning. I also think that I would have liked this movie more if I would have just had more time to, like, get involved with it, with the shots and with the characters and their stuff. Because it just moves so fast and it cuts so much. Yeah, I mean, that's probably my main complaint, too, is just the jumping around so much and, I mean, and the weird alien stuff. Which, I mean, to be fair, doesn't leave a lot for me. <laughs> but, you know, I think there is some good stuff in there. I like the sets and the um, some of the mystery elements I do think are pretty cool. And the memory stuff's pretty interesting, I think. And just the whole noir style is really well done in this and really and it it has some awesome shots too like at the start when murdoch wakes up in the tub and it like you just see the swinging light that goes back and forth and illuminates what's going on in the scene that was such a cool shot i loved when they would like when they do the real quick zoom in on like the um psychiatrist like nameplate on his door or for the um cop and all that stuff I was like, this, that's a neat way to introduce the character. It has some cool style to it, which was neat. Yeah, I do think it's pretty moody feeling with the lighting and stuff. They really do capture the noir feel. I th- you're right. I think that's really what they nail with this. Yeah, that was my favorite part of this movie. And I just wanted more time with it. That, that's all I wanted. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Gonna go watch some Twilight Zone after this. I mean, it's just so bizarre. <laughs> you know, I can't think of anything else that's so random. And it's like, just like I don't, I mean, I guess decision to go where it goes. I mean. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, is this a cyberpunk world? Is this a, like just a 50s world? I was like trying to figure it out. And I mean, it makes sense why you can't quite put your finger on it, you know, but my expectations were jumping around so much. And then when the aliens show up, I'm like, huh? <laughs> That was not in my list of things that I was expecting here. So I did take a note about the telepathic fight at the end of this movie. Great idea, not the best execution. Yeah, that's exactly what I put. I was like, you know, telepathic fights in movies rarely ever work. They just stare at each other. Yeah. And they zoom in on their face with like a very concentrated look, and then they <laughs> cut to the other guy doing it for a while. They should have done that and then made the shots very long, and that would have really set it apart from the rest of the movie. And get rid of all the bad CGI effects and just mainly I think if they got rid of the weird, not really bullet time effect, but you know what I mean. Like the warping of the reality or whatever. Yeah, it would have been much better without that effect in there. I think that would have made it a lot less cheesy looking. 
because they'd just be looking at each other and then all of a sudden like a metal beam comes out of the floor and tries to stab the, a man and you'd be like, oh. I kind of liked the warping just because it did kind of feel a little cheesy. I didn't mind it, but that last scene is a little, yeah. <laughs> it just goes on so long. Like the the scene after it when he's killed them all and he's like walking down the street and rebuilding the city was a really cool shot. If they would have just handled it more like that than the Gamma Gun Ray or whatever, <laughs> that would have been a lot better. I was expecting him to like go all like martial arts on all those guys, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, the Matrix had flooded my mind, yeah. So I, I want to talk about Kiefer Sutherland's character. Is that the doctor? Yeah, I like Kiefer Sutherland, but I did not like his like style of talking in this movie. Where he's like, I will do this, and then I will do this, and then I will do this. It felt like the cuts of the movie. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, TV. I was like, seriously, the cuts wasn't enough? You had to make <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland talk like this? I didn't like it either. I didn't mind it. It was unique and different, but I didn't think it was bad. Makes you feel like something's wrong, which a lot of this movie's going for, so. I just want to know why he's always short of breath, like... He sounds like me after like going through my apartment complex to try and get to the main <laughs> office. <laughs> like, did he just run up a flight of stairs before delivering those lines? Like, I, I thought there was a line about something about that. Like, he was kind of like he had a weak. Oh yeah, he has a heart heart condition. or something. Yeah, and so like when he gets stressed, he has a hard time like catching his breath. So just all the time. <laughs> well, and I mean, he's yeah, he's constantly stressed because these aliens are like looming over him and making him do things. I think so. Makes sense, you know. And he's trying to plan how to get back at him without getting caught. I, I did like his, like, side story and, like, arc and stuff. I thought it was interesting. Like, I really liked the shots where he was in his, like, bathtub pool thing. I was like, I want to go sit in that, especially right now in the winter. I was like, oh, I'd love to go in that big hot tub. Yeah, and I I did like when the alien like came in there. It was like, you know, like all Smeagol like. He's like, we hate the water. We hate moisture. <laughs> Don't you think that probably should have come back up eventually? Maybe like that's how he got he defeated the aliens or something. They hate the water. Like they set that up, but it never comes back. It just seems weird to reveal their weakness and then not use it again later. Well, it sets that up as the safe area too, I guess. The talk, but yeah, I, I don't know. Back back on Kiefer Sutherland too. It, they did a real good job making you like wonder if he's actually trying to help or if he's trying to help the aliens throughout the whole thing until the end, which I appreciated. I do recognize that that was done well. You can't really tell like which side he's working on. Uh, it was just his, like, character mannerisms that frustrated me, too. It was just like, okay, come on. This is going to be the whole movie again? Like, you've already doing it to me in the shots. It's every cut in every two seconds. I don't need it in the character as well. It was just him. I mean, Connolly and... Oh, I can't ever remember his name. Hurt, William Hurt and Rufus Sewell or Sewell. I don't know. They're all normal with their speech patterns so yeah i thought they did great it was just like a another thing that like ate at me while i was watching this movie speaking of the other actors i thought they all did pretty good especially like william hurt and rufus sewell they did really good i think i wish they gave jennifer Connolly more the do because she's a real good actress she doesn't really do anything honestly yeah I know, it sucks, and I'm like, you're wasting her, kinda, in this movie. The only point is, like, she's the love interest, you know, but then it's even revealed at the end, it's like, eh, but that doesn't really matter, That's none, none of that happened. <laughs> There's no, like, conflict or anything after that either, just kinda like, she's out of the movie, and then he goes and murders all the bald aliens. I, I did like her conversation with Mr. Hands, is that his name, the, like, memory-injected mm -hmm. alien? That was pretty cool. When they meet up and he's like spouting all the stuff that her husband should know, but he knows because he got the injection. Kind of creepy. 
And, and like, she's great in the movie. Don't get me wrong. She just doesn't have a lot to do compared to Sutherland, Hurt, and Sewell, which, which sucks because she's as good as they are, if not better. Yeah, I liked William Hurt a lot in this movie. He was like the the sci-fi noir detective. Like I I just love that kind of feel in like media and books and stuff. Just sci-fi detective is so cool. But with like the noir atmosphere, that was awesome. I wanted more of him and less of Murdoch <laughs> to be honest. I was like what if they focused on you know, William Hurt and his detective work on this case, but Murdoch and the aliens are just like side characters that show up. I think that would be a cool perspective that this movie could have done. He could be a guy who slips through the cracks when they reset stuff. Yeah, like his partner. Or not his partner, the guy he replaces eventually. Because that guy's going nuts because he's figured something out. And I guess they haven't reset him. It's kind of weird that he's like still that paranoid every time they reset, but it's interesting. Maybe he was always that way. And that's like the point, you know, the human heart is going to find a way through no matter what. But yeah, I like that element a lot of the crazy detective with all the like spirals and stuff. And that was pretty cool. Hmm. Does anybody else have anything on this one? I know we usually talk about the music, but I can't really remember anything about it. I like the jazzy singing kind of, I like the like style they went for. It felt different. It didn't feel like a normal jazz. It felt, I don't know. That's why I kind of thought it was cyberpunk or something, because it kind of it didn't feel like a normal jazz. It felt like a weird, almost more futuristic version of jazz, if that makes sense, just because it was a little different with like the upright bass and stuff. And the distorted guitar. It was kind of weird, but I liked it. That was great. Like Connolly's song was awesome. It was perfect for like that setting and everything. And then like all the orchestral music throughout the rest of the movie was awesome it was so good i mean they used it in the x-men uh trailer <laughs> really yeah it's so good i loved it like that mate the theme they had during the battle and everything at the end oh man that was so good i didn't really notice that part as much yeah i just noticed the jazzy stuff i mean doesn't mean it's bad or anything i think i was just so flabbergasted by everything else going on. I was, <laughs> I was it was like information overload like literally when i was watching this movie so maybe i just didn't notice the the actual score of this very much i gotta say some of the music like the the more upbeat orchestral stuff just reminded me like too much of like tim burton batman movies Mm, not, no it was no. very like bouncy sometimes and it was weird like i don't know it wasn't heroic sounding like danny elfman's score is <laughs> no it's like whenever the penguin shows up that kind of <laughs> no <bouncy>. yeah no <laughs> several no. times it was like bum, 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 bum. <laughs> It's like, uh, <laughs> now hang on, who directed this? <laughs> who made this call? It felt like a Tim Burton movie to me, I'll say that. But I don't know if it was the music's fault, I think it was more just the, the set for me. I would say some more criticism I have with the writing. It, it really rides the line between being too, like having too much exposition in certain scenes and telling you what's going on and leaving it for you to figure out. Like it, it rides that line real close at times. And I do think unfortunately that it does go over that line a couple times, which is too bad, I think, because it didn't really need to, but that was my only like other criticism I had really that, we hadn't talked about was I think the writing could have been a little bit better in that regard. I'd agree with that. Yeah. It just felt so rushed. Yeah. I felt like they had to kind of just tell us some stuff every once in a while. Yeah. E even with the 12 extra minutes in there. <laughs> well, that was what I was going to say coming in was this movie needed like 20 to 30 extra minutes to just give it time in my opinion. Because it is a cool idea. I, I like the idea. I like the sets and stuff. It just feels so rushed. You know, almost to me, it feels like it's just 
they were on the cusp of something that wouldn't like you know really come to fruition until a few years later even when this like type the world you've never known really hit its stride like everybody else was maybe just doing it a little bit better this is definitely the weirdest of them that I've seen, though, which I guess I'll give them props for that. You know, it's very unique compared to some of those other ones. A little crazier, I would say. I don't know if I'd say it's crazier. The Matrix is a pretty crazy movie, too, honestly. But they they tie it in with, like, computer programs, so it's not as... This is going to sound dumb to say. It doesn't seem as far-fetched, but, <laughs> you, you know. No, I think you're exactly right. I think it's just, this, it goes, it, it, it goes for something weird and wild. And The Matrix feels a lot gra- more grounded. And I think this movie, whether it's intentional or not, just feels a little goofier because of, like, the weird cult that lives underneath the ground. I agree. You know, the the Matrix feels more grounded in that it has, like, rules. And they tell you the rules, like, in the first pretty much half of the movie. And then they show you how they break the rules of the world. And, yeah, that's cool. And in this movie, like, they kind of set the rules a little bit, but then people just start flying and using, you know, telepathic powers and stuff. And it's not really explained super well. So they're just kind of like making stuff up as they go, it feels like to me. They don't They don't have specific rules for the most part like the Matrix does. I mean, the, the aliens in here basically just can do whatever the heck they want. It, it keeps it more mysterious. But yeah, when you, you do it, when you have adversaries like that, it's really easy to just use that to as a plot convenience right like you need them to do this so yeah they can do it because they can do whatever they want i don't think they use it as a crutch though i guess just used to be mysterious and keep you guessing yeah i can see that for me it was kind of like feels like people kind of just do what they want to (laughs) do it's not as established of a world as like the matrix and stuff so all right, are we ready for some overall presentation? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's get it done. What's the scale, TV? What are the rules of our universe? Oh, we have a scale that goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it. We all give a little spiel about what we think, and then we try to average all our ratings out at the end, if we can, but who knows, but we'll choose. Then it resets at midnight. can we do it before the day resets again you know it's interesting this movie has some stuff about memories and I was thinking can any of us really remember how this like process works at the end of the show where we like you know kind of try to review and then you know what what, like the order I can't remember exactly how we get to the end so I went to my doctor and I was like man I'm just having this memory problem he's like oh I've been waiting years for this. And he pulls out this vial and he puts it in the syringe and he just plugs it into my neck. And suddenly I'm seeing things I just can't believe. I finally, the order is clear to me exactly how we get to the end. And every time Mike always goes first. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Mike keeps showing up uninvited in Terry's memories. <laughs> he, he <just> shows <laughs> there's, there's no time for this beautiful childhood memory, Terry. I'm gonna tell you my thoughts about the Dark City. <laughs> We've got a movie to review. <laughs> I'm telling you about Dark City. So you know what? I got the point. All right, you could do go first this time, Mike. Jeez. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think I pretty much uh, spoiled my, you know, thoughts on this movie right at the beginning. This movie was just such a pain and, like, frustrating movie to watch for me. Just because they cut so much. Like, the average shot length of being, like, 1.8 seconds when you, like, add them all up and do the average. That's, like, really bad in my opinion. And it makes it even worse because the like the noir setting is so cool. The sets look cool. The costumes look cool. I just wanted more time with that, you know? Like, stop cutting around so much. That really just 
rubbed me wrong and the story felt rushed. But I did watch the theatrical version and I didn't even know there was a director's cut. I just like popped it in Amazon. I was like, okay, this is it. And I rented it. I didn't even look any further than that. Um, I'm going to give this one a pass. I did not enjoy watching it because of those things, but there is some cool stuff here, cool ideas that got us to places like The Matrix. So you may like it. Just be aware that that stuff is in there. Yeah, you know, I feel kind of uh, not necessarily torn, but um, like we said at the beginning of this show, I think depending on which version you watch, it may drastically alter your opinion of it. And I got to say, like when I was a kid... I guess we watched the director's cut because I do not recall that narration. And I recall being like, what? This is crazy. What's going on? Ah, oh my God. And this time with the narration, I mean, my fiance hadn't seen it. And we were just, we were pretty bored until the, uh, the space reveal. And then things finally, after an hour and I don't know, 20 minutes started to get interesting again. Like Mad Mike said, you know, it does have this really cool noir aesthetic that really makes me want to love it a lot, and Jen Connolly is one of my favorite actresses, but, you know, I watched the theatrical cut for this review, so I guess, you know, in the spirit of integrity, I gotta give it a pass for that. But that said, maybe give the director's cut a watch sometime. Although, if you've listened to this review, you've already spoiled it and ruined <laughs> any sense of <laughs> surprise and wonder that might give you. So, you know, I, I gotta say, maybe a pass from old Fox. I, I have a lot of the similar problems that Mike was talking about with the editing. It just, it goes so quickly, um, and there's a lot of quick cuts, and it never really feels like there's any release to the anxiety that they're building up. You know, there's some cool stuff in this, though. I think the sets are really cool. The acting, for the most part, is all really awesome. But it's just, man, the plot's wild. And I, I was flabbergasted watching this. It, like, blew my mind when these bald men showed up and they're all just, like, <laughs> chatting in the basement. And I'm like, what? What is this movie? It just takes shifts gears suddenly so quickly. And, I mean, it's kind of cool that a movie can do that, but... It's really got to sell me on it. I just did not like the aliens that much either. Um, I thought they were cool at first when there was like just three of them and they all had their own like unique heights and stuff. And it was it was really creepy, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it just didn't catch me the way I thought it would. And yeah, I think I'm going to give it a pass as well. It, it definitely has its merits. And, you know, I usually look at like Letterboxd to see if any of my like followers or people I'm following, like see where they stand on it. And it seems like a lot of people do like this, so I don't know. Maybe I'm one of the odd ones out here, but I was not a fan of this as much. Now for something completely different. Um, <laughs> I loved this movie. I thought it was a really wacky but really cool story. I I talked about it earlier, but I, I didn't have a big problem with the editing or the short shot length on this one, except during some of the action scenes but and i thought it fit really nice with the story and what um alex proyas is going for with this one and after a while i it didn't bug me at all and the story i thought was handled really well for the most part the writing could have been um a bit better at some points Kiefer sutherland does have some pretty heavy exposition scenes at a couple spots which could have been improved upon but but other than that, it was really good. I watched the director's cut, so I didn't have any of this stuff spoiled for me going into it. So the tension was high for me the entire time, trying to know what the heck was going on and everything throughout this film. The aesthetic's awesome. There's a lot of shots in this I talked about earlier, which were really cool, I thought. has a lot of awesome atmosphere, and the music was awesome too just like i loved pretty much everything about this movie and i'm gonna give it a buy it i would happily own this and have it along with the matrix and equilibrium and all those types of movies dang nice i think we still have an average of a pass though yeah but a buy from dan so yeah that's high praise 
I think this movie definitely has found its audience over the years. Because like I was saying, I was reading, because I was like, surely I'm not in the minority here. I thought this was like so weird and stuff. And then I looked up, yeah, reviews on Letterboxd. People are like, this is awesome. I even saw some people saying like, this is even better than The Matrix and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, I did not <laughs> see that. But I mean, it's cool if it found the the people that wanted to see it and really love it. So We should talk about The Matrix sometime because that's, that's a very interesting one very good i don't think this is better than the matrix because the matrix accomplishes like everything it has all those layers of like psychology and you know all the matrix stuff but it does it in a really approachable way which makes sense and is easy i don't want to say easy to digest because that's usually a negative but for the matrix it's like you can follow all these crazy concepts and like philosophical ideas extremely well in that because the story is told so well yeah it's like super approachable yet if you want to look deeper you can yeah coming off you know it was the big anime craze in the states you got keanu reeves lawrence fishburne doing martial arts i just yeah it was just the perfect time for it and it's i mean it's a good movie but the timing man but old dark city Poor Dark City. About 40 years too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not alone, Dane. Just, <laughs> just in this room you are, unfortunately. <laughs> That's all right. So I guess I'm next, huh? I'm the next pick for this grim dark thing. Yeah, you are, TV. Comes down to you. So, yeah, I think I've been debating about this, but I think what I'm going to go with is a more modern movie. I'm going to go with Possessor. Oh, cool. I do want to watch that. Mike said this was on the list of grimdark movies, so I'm just going to go with that. That's a 2020 movie. It is, yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me TV after you watched it. You were like, this was good. What? <laughs> His hand's been shown. No. <laughs> How could you? I mean, I guess I probably wouldn't pick it again, would I? <laughs> I'd already seen it. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it. I'll be curious to see what you guys think about it. Where can they get in contact with us? Tell us their thoughts on Dark City. Ooh, yeah. I'd love to hear that. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. Yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on Dark City. Tell me how wrong I am. I'd be happy to hear more opposing opinions on this back me up yeah <laughs> back up dan a little bit <laughs> or if you don't like it i'd be happy to hear you know more negatives as well so either way i want to know is this as good as the matrix do you think tell me yeah hit us up we'd love to hear from you be sure to tune in next week for a uh, possessor should be a pretty good review uh, and thanks for listening to us tonight this is Run The Real, signing off. Mm -hmm.